0: Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt. This is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Finally, they get the vision. It's fantastic. Well, good morning, church. Hey, can we just give it up for the incredible Takeover worship team for stewarding? Uh... Yeah, I am uh, shooketh, says the Lord. (laughs) And uh, wow, what a powerful time in the presence of God. Amen. Man, uh, I can't even uh, with him right now. I just can't. He's so good, and he's so faithful. And man, and I just want to say, too, uh, we didn't have a praise card for it, but my man Isaiah in the back graduated. Can we give it up for Isaiah? Isaiah! probably doesn't appreciate being singled out like that but i did want to say it because that's amazing young man and i believe god has great plans for your life so i'm sorry to embarrass you but god sees you i see you and your future's bright amen get it man and you got a great beard better than i can grow so he sure as heck got that going for you (laughs) my wife cannot speak to that uh she does not allow me to have a beard because it's bad anyways moving along man I love Jesus. I just love Jesus. I just love Jesus. And during worship, man, I just, I just had a deep, deep, deep time with him. And uh, I'm sorry for being the, the flailing guy. Um, well, he, just, he just reminded me that he's my sweetest friend, that he's my sweetest friend, that I have none other that sticks closer to me than him. And I just, I just pray that every single one of us this morning, we get this revelation deep on the inside of us that you have no greater confidant. You have no greater companion. You have no one closer to you. There is one, his name is Jesus and he is your sweetest friend, amen? So how about you praise your sweetest friend this morning for never abandoning you, for never leaving you, for always lifting you up, pulling you out of your own muck and mire, cleaning you off and setting you in heavenly places. I said, praise him. I said, praise him. Oh, oh well, happy Memorial Day, Sunday and i just want to take a moment to say this because i don't think a whole lot of guys my age uh, in ministry are saying these things that, that need to be said and i just want to say this that i am so grateful for the men and women of the armed services of this country who have laid down their lives and continue to serve to lay down our lives so that you and i we can partake in the freedom and the values that this country still has for you and me amen can we just thank the lord for them that is a sacrifice that you and I will not understand unless we are faced with that ourselves. And I am so grateful to live in a place where man, we, got, we have a constitution and we have values in this country that says we can worship God freely and it is the greatest joy of my life to worship him freely. And so anybody who laid down their life or currently is serving, I just say thank you from the bottom of my heart, amen. Amen, that's what today, that's what today in America is all about, but today in church, it's also about, but also, uh, how many of you know it's Pentecost Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Come on. And uh, I don't think it's uh, by accident. I think it's by design that's on a day that is notorious, especially in our region. And I love to point out the elephant in the room. I don't know if you've known me that long, but uh, I call it how I see it. And uh, more importantly, I call it how God sees it. It's Memorial Day weekend. We knew there wouldn't be a whole lot of us here. So thank you for being the faithful few. Come on. Come on. Pastor Matt, did you just take shots? Everyone who's not here? No. In fact, all I am doing is honoring you for prioritizing being in church. I thank God for vacation. It's awesome. But we are not of this world. We rest differently, we vacate differently. When the, when the world goes downstream, we stay upstream. Amen. And so I just want to say that, that I'm so grateful that you are here because, friends, There are things that we need to get on the inside of us as Christians, and I believe Pentecost Sunday speaks to this so greatly, but a few of the things the Lord has just been dealing with me. Yeah, he still deals with me, friends. He still deals with me. I praise God that I am further along and I am closest to him as I've ever been at 32, but he still is dealing with me. And one of the things he was dealing with me on was, Matt, he said, I understand. He told me this Monday, I understand that you cannot disciple an empty chair, but you can be discipled in an empty room. And I was like, Frick, God, come on, man, just close the door, I'll be here alone, it's fine. And then I was telling my team last night, when everyone was already asleep and I was just caught up with the Lord, that what happens when we have mornings like this where church service and attendance is lower than we're used to, what ends up happening is we strip everything back, and honestly, a whole lot of stuff went wrong before you were here, and We could have unplugged everything and shut the lights off and and just still had a good time in the Lord because what happens on lower Sundays is this gets all stripped back, the glitz, the glamour, the performance of it. And the Lord shakes the performance out of us so we can bring a perfume to him. The Lord shakes the performance out of us so we can bring a perfume for him. So we can offer up a fragrant sacrifice, pure, unadulterated love, an offering to him. And I am so grateful for this morning because it has humbled me greatly and I pray it humbles you too <sighs> so all of our friends who are not here who will watch us later who was offended I love you <laughs> and uh, God bless your time away but man we are going to continue on with fire upon the earth are you ready for fire upon the earth ready. Come on, somebody, man. I am so grateful we are stewarding a prophetic word for our church for 2023. We are not switching gears. We are not changing series. We are not moving seasons. The Lord has given us one objective for the entire year. We have 365 days, 52 Sundays, in order for you and I to get this on the inside of us, that Jesus is not coming back for a lackluster bride. He's not coming back for a powerless, impotent, shy, small, intimidated bride, but he is coming back for a radiant bride bride for a burning bride for a woman who has fire in her eyes that can match the fire in his eyes amen he is coming for a burning people body and bride and that comes out of luke 12 49 if you need some scriptural references for that jesus lays it out my chief concern is i came to cast fire upon the earth to baptize in fire and today it's pentecostal sunday so, of course, we're going to read out of the book of Revelation. <laughs> we, have been, uh, we have been stewarding this prophetic word in about, uh, I don't know, I, I think about, about six or seven weeks ago, uh, probably eight, eight weeks ago at this time. The Lord told me, he said, Matt, you want to see a burning bride? And I said, more than anything, Lord. He said, get good at dying. And I was like, hey, got it. Oh, I will get right on that, Lord. Uh, second thing he said was preach the last lessons of Jesus, and I did not realize it at the time. But when he brought us into the Book of Revelation, I had no idea the depths it would take us to as a church. That even just myself, like seeing where we are going, hearing the praise reports from our people, that people are praying over people uh, in in public, that people are reading their Bibles. We have people of all different age groups, and, and whether they're single or they're married or whatever life looks like, they're reading their Bibles for the first time. And they're spending time with prayer in the Lord in our prayer meeting on Friday morning at 6 a.m. has been growing because people have taken up the challenge to be found in the secret place with God and I want to tell you prayer meeting Friday morning 6 a.m. we will be here be here the Lord moves in an empty room because everything is stripped back and all you have is him I tell you what man he goes to work he goes to work earlier we sang our lives your magnum opus and man I'm telling you he is he is still very much interested in making your life his greatest masterpiece He is still very much interested in making a burning bride upon the earth. Amen. So we're going to continue on. Taking notes this morning, week 21 of fire upon the earth is the forerunner fire. Title of my message is the forerunner fire. The forerunner fire. Forerunner fire. What is a forerunner? One who prepares the way for the Lord's arrival. The one who prepares the way for the Lord's arrival the forerunner fire. And today we're going to be coming out of Revelation 10 and 11 and we're going to get into it. Sound good? Yes. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Revelation 10 and then we'll proceed to 11. If not, it'll be up on the Sky Bible. And yo, can we just give it up? Our girl Rachel in the booth and our man Kenny in the booth. I ain't kidding when I say worship practice started and it was a hot fire up in here and we were like... The Lord doesn't need any of this. But then once we got that heart adjustment, he fixed it. It was really good. And those two worked diligently to make that happen. So we just, we love you. We honor you. And uh, I'm so grateful that Kenny knows sound and buttons and knobs and things that I don't. Amen. 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 Oh man, I'm telling you, everyone gets excited for the preacher, but it's like, dude, there are people, you will never see their names, you will never hear their voice, you will never uh, see them get public recognition because they are busy in the secret place making things happen behind the scenes, so this can be a good offering to the Lord, and Kenny is one of those guys, and he's amazing, and uh, I love you, friend. I love you. And his shirt says spiritual gangster, which I think is pretty, pretty good, pretty great. All right, Revelation 10. I hope you're there by now. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from the heaven wrapped in a cloud and a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a scroll open in his hand. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, that's a big angel, and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, bless you. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, he raised his right hand to the heaven and, he, and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, and earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, and that there would be no more delay. Somebody say, no more delay. Somebody say, Delay not, Lord. Delay not. <laughs> but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. Just as he announced to his servants, the prophets, then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again saying, go, take the scroll that is in open hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. And so I went to the angel and I told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and I ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. And when I had eaten it, in my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many people's nations, languages, and kings. Revelations eleven one, And then I was given the measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there, but do not measure the court side of the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. It's three and a half years. And I will grant authority to my witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth, These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed and to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have the power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony, the beasts that rise from the bottomless pit will make war on them and will conquer them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the street of the great city that is symbolically called Sodom in Egypt, where the Lord was crucified, Jerusalem. For three and a half days, some of the people from tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make a merry exchange, make merry exchange in presence because those two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. Somebody say, "I want to be a problem in the earth." I want to be a problem. <laughs> But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them. Somebody say, breath of God, enter me. Somebody say, breath of God, enter me. Somebody say, breath of God, enter me. And they stood up to their feet, and a great fear fell on all those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at the hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in that earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to God of heaven. The second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of this world has... Has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever somebody say forever and ever, forever and, ever. and the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worship God saying we give thanks to you Lord God Almighty who is and was for you have taken your great power and you begun to reign the nation's raged, but your wrath came In the time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints, those who fear your name, both small and great, for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and the Ark of Covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder, an earthquake, and a heavy hail. Are you ready? Oh, are we ready? Let's pray. We're going to ask the Lord to reveal. Father 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 Father. we love you father we love you so much we thank you king we thank you lord we thank you father for sending jesus so that we could be back and right standing with you and from that place of right standing lord we could be of use to you of service to you god Father, I pray right now, Lord, as we move deeper into the book of Revelation, God, that you would move deeper in Revelation in us, Lord, that we would move into the depths of God, that we would see you rightly, God, so we can respond to you correctly, so we can worship you perfectly. Lord, we long to be your burning bride. So, Father, I ask that you would prepare us. Prepare us, Lord. Prepare your bride for your son, Lord, that we would be getting ready even now, Lord, as the day draws near, Lord, that we would be found a worthy bride for Jesus to return to. Father, I ask that Holy Spirit would just begin to move so loudly in this house right now. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, thank you for not blowing up the inside of us this morning while we woke up, but you rested in us you dwell within us, you move loudly within us, that you have a plan for us to make us look more like Jesus so we can respond to him correctly. Holy Spirit, right now I just say, come, come, come. Holy Spirit, I don't know if you've been told that yet today as the church gathers across the world for Pentecost Sunday, as the church gathers across the Midwest region, I don't know, what you've been told, but hear it from this house, Holy Spirit. We invite you. We welcome you. We do not tolerate you. We celebrate you. Come, move in us greatly. In Jesus, we will give you all of the glory, all of the honor, all of the power, all of the wealth, all of the might. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said. Amen. Forerunner fire. Forerunner fire. And I like it three times. Forerunner fire. Somebody say yeah. Yeah. Finally getting it. This is good. I like this. Forerunner fire. Now we're in the book of Revelation. And I'm loving the book of Revelation. But we've reached a point in the book of Revelation uh, where we are going to begin to hop around a little bit. And so there's going to be some things I just kind of overview to you. Not because it's not worthy of preaching about. Not because it's not you know, if the infallible truth, inspired word of God. No, all these things, absolutely. But because they're deep and we have, you know, a limited time, and we are, we are going to hit what we need to hit, and then I'm going to encourage you to go further into it. Does that sound good? So I just ask that you trust me, that I'm discernfully praying through this stuff, and that I will do my best to make what is complicated uh, uncomplicated, and I will do my best to deliver it to you the best way that we possibly can. However, I am going to encourage you that you need to begin to take the book of Revelation to your prayer closet. If you don't have a prayer closet yet, you need to get a prayer closet. You need to build to yourself a room, a place in your home, not just in your heart, not just in your car. I'm talking about you need to have a place in your house where you set a meeting with the Lord. The Lord loves that we want to meet with him. Amen. Listen, the Lord does not go where he's unwanted, but he certainly shows up where he is welcomed. I am telling you today, you make a place for him. He will be there. Amen. So the book of Revelation is awesome, and I love the book of Revelation. One of the things that you and I, we need to get an understanding of the book of Revelation is that every single verse is just dripping. It is not dripping with opinion. It is not dripping with uh, scholars' theology. No, the book of Revelation is dripping with Jesus' self-described and self-prescribed revelation of himself. You've got to understand this. Listen, gone are the days where we can just sit around at TED Talks and have think time and all these things where we let people pontificate to you what they think about scripture. I am telling you, gone are those days, friends. Today is the day where we go in the book of Revelation and we say, Jesus, tell me about yourself. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about yourself. Friends, if you want to know Jesus better, and I'm not talking about information. I'm talking about revelation. If you want to know Jesus better, more intimately, more deeply, more closely, you want to walk with him hand in hand, and you want to trust him in the depths of your life, you will take the book of Revelation and you will sit on verses for a week at a time. And you will ask the Lord, illuminate this to me. Show me your glory. Jesus, this is your self-described and prescribed revelation of yourself. Every other thought I lay at your feet, reveal yourself to me. You want to know why I say self-described and prescribed? Because you need to know him and to know him meets your need. You need to know him and to know him meets your need. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? He is the answer to everything. He describes himself as such and he prescribes himself as such. For every sickness and joy, there is Jesus. He'll give you reason for joy and he will give you healing for sickness. He brings deliverance and he brings hope. Jesus His self-description is the greatest knowledge in this earth. Jesus, the God-man, telling you and I about himself is the greatest equipping that you and I could ever have in this earth. I am telling you, oh, I'm going to skip ahead, but let me tell you, this is the Pentecost Sunday where the Holy Spirit came because Jesus says it's better that I go because I can be with a few. But if I go, the Holy Spirit can come and he can dwell within many. Where everything in history shifted. Where he went from God Emmanuel, God with us, to Holy Spirit God within us. Yeah. Everything shifted. The church was started. And do you want to know why it's called the Book of Acts? This will help you chase the greater glory that is the revelation of Jesus. The reason it's called the book of Acts, my friend, is because it's the Acts of the church. It's the Acts of the apostles. It's the Acts of the disciples. It's the Acts of the layman and the laywoman Christians in the earth. You want to know what Christianity and church should look like? Look no further than the book of Acts. It literally means how we act, what we do, who we are, who we aren't, what we don't do. I am to anybody this morning? The reason this matters is because you and I, we have got to get on the same page as those who were there when the church was birthed. We have wandered too far. We have gotten off the beat of, a beaten path and we have lost the plot. Today, we live in a time and place where so many Christians, we would say we identify as Pentecostals. Because we read the book of Acts and we know Pentecost happened. But practically we live as satanists because we don't believe the gifts go forward. Right. We believe the Bible, but we live no Bible. Come on, come on. We believe in the Holy Spirit, but we have no fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'm to anybody this morning. You want to know what the forerunner fire is? It is the fire of the ones that prepare the way for the Lord. How do you best prepare the way for the Lord? By moving in the ways of the Lord. How do you best prepare the way of the Lord? You move in the ways of the Lord. Friends, I'm telling you, gone are the days Where the book of revelation is allowed to simply be the most misunderstood the most overlooked the most avoided and the most undervalued book in the entire bible gone are those days i'm telling you if we want to build big christians if we want to build holy spirit heavyweights if we want to build faith giants in the earth if we want to create for god a bride that is worthy of his return that sings the same song as the spirit come lord jesus come The Spirit and the Bride say, come. If we're going to be those people, we have got to get on the same revelation that Jesus shares of himself. Do you want to know how I know that for the majority of the church, we don't share the same revelation that Jesus shares of himself? Exhibit A, Grand Rapids. What would Grand Rapids look like if Christians believed the Word of God? It looked like the book of Acts. It looked like the book of Acts. It looked like the book of Acts. Acts. Our city, our city would be a city on a hill where they would be trying to kill us, martyr us, because we are upsetting the established order with healings, deliverances, truth to power. Jesus is ruling and reigning. Intersections are being shut down. School is being canceled. People aren't going into their workplace because they're gathering and they're sharing together what they have to provide for one another. Suddenly, the economy of Grand Rapids is shifted upside down because the economy of the kingdom of God has come and rested. <laughs> Happy Memorial Day, guys. Pastor Matt, I thought you were gonna, you know, preach about no greater love than one has to lay down his life for a brother. I agree. And the one who laid his life down for a brother and a sister, his name's Jesus, he told us about himself and we need to get on the same page. And so here we are, the book of Revelation, which I love. But so many of us were intimidated by it, we're scared of it. And I am telling you today, while it may be complicated, while it may be intimidating, And while it may be difficult to understand, I am telling you, Jesus is very much still in the business of giving revelation. And I'm not talking about new revelation that's unfounded in the Bible. I am talking about depths of revelation that is absolutely founded in the Bible. If someone says, or you hear, or you're on YouTube, or TikTok, or whatever other stupid thing is on the internet these days, and someone says, I got a fresh revelation of God, and then it's nowhere to be found in the Bible. You should run. Run. Yep, that's right. Gone are the days where we allow men and women to tell us their interpretation of Jesus. We now must go to Jesus' interpretation of himself. So here we are, book of Revelation. Revelation. And I love the book of Revelation. It's not the revelation of the end times. It's the revelation of the the return of the king. It is about Jesus himself. And the best part about the book of Revelation is that Jesus will tell you, yes, what must happen And Jesus will tell you, yes, where the world is going. And He will tell you about the end times. And He will tell you about all these things. But most importantly, what you begin to see in the book of Revelation when you sit and you steward and you ruminate on scripture after scripture after scripture and you just let the Lord speak to you about it, Jesus is actually telling you about Himself. And I don't mean just like the descriptive parts of His hair and His eyes and all the things. No, no, no. I mean, He's telling you what He likes. He's telling you what moves him. He's telling you what he desires. He's telling you what must be done, absolutely, because he has a set up, created order in order for the earth to be restored to a place that he can come and rest again among his people. That's the whole point of the end times, is that God would prepare for his son, a bride that is worthy for his son to leave his throne and return to the earth again for, thus setting up God to be able to recreate the heavens and the earth in his image and likeness again to have a resting place again. It's the whole point. It's the whole point. And in that story, in this prophetic journey that you and I have been on, God has been telling us about Him, what He likes what he doesn't like, what moves him, what doesn't move him. We love singing the song, Tell Us What Moves You, right? We love that song, Tell Us What Moves You. Well, he has. It is in the book of Revelation. He knows, he knows, he knows. As we talked about last week, he loves when his saints come to him with a harp in one hand and a bowl of prayer in the other. And we sing and we pray and we minister to him. And I am telling you, friends, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Gone are the days where every other ministry takes center stage. Today is the hour in which ministry to God becomes the most prevalent thing that we will be known for. The most prevalent thing we will be known for. See, what amazes me today It's the complete lack of prayer that comes out of the church. And I don't just mean in our services, because clearly here at Takeover Church, we make prayer a pretty predominant factor, don't we? We love praying here. We find reasons to pray, okay? We're like, how how can we fit more prayer in? We love that here. And we're going to keep doing that here. Because why? Because all of a sudden for the church, we go from praying to God to our prayers partnering with God. And that is a deep revelation. You and I, we need to get on the inside. We need to understand that prayers aren't to just go to God, but our prayers need to actually partner with God. Some of us were praying such useless, trivial things, and instead we need to start partnering our prayer with him. It's amazing how a thousand lesser problems are solved in the spirit realm and then are manifested in the natural realm when we go from praying trivial, small things, God, I need, God, this hurts, God, this what? And it's not that he doesn't care about those things. He just knows that if you were to partner your prayer with what he is passionate about, all those things would be taken care of. All those things would be eclipsed by a greater glory. Suddenly pain fades in the sight of Jesus. Suddenly bodies heal as you get closer to him. Suddenly demons flee as you move closer to his throne because they can't enter his room, amen? Suddenly, suddenly, this is who he is. So we're going to continue to move. Bless you. And this is what happens. You see, in Revelation, we did five and then six and seven and eight and nine. These are all these moments where we see the seals broken, like we talked about, remember? Like John was crying out, who is worthy to open the seals? And then the elders like, there is one who is worthy. And the one who was worthy was the lamb that was slain and he took the scroll from the hand of the father and it says that a new song, a song of fire was birthed in the heavens. A place where worship and prayer happens in perpetuity for eternity and a new song was birthed. And suddenly there was one found worthy to take the scroll and break the seals. Now I'm going to overlay the seals real quick for you because this is absolutely incredible what happens here in Suddenly, we see the seals one, two, three, and four, and five all begin to get broken open. And in the midst of them, there is the Lord removing his hand. Sounds bad, I know. But removing his hand of the tampering down of the enemy. And this is actually what ushers in tribulation. Now, before we go any further, I need you to understand this. The Bible does not categorically or theologically support a pre tribulation for the Christian. That's wrong. It's heresy. We've preached it for far too long, and it's stupid. Why? Because there's not a single thing in the Bible that tells you God is going to remove his bride first before the trials and tribulations come. No, in fact, I call this part of the sermon preparation for tribulation. Preparation for tribulation. The reason I call it that is because you and I, we need to be a prepared people when tribulation comes. Nobody told me it was going to be hard. I did. (laughs) It's not on me, man. That's on you. And the reason this is important is because, friends, what draws impurities to the surface like heat? What readies a bride like trials? Like difficult times in a relationship? What grows you closer with the right posture and the right heart? Repentance and bringing yourself to their feet, asking forgiveness and moving forward in grace and mercy. I am telling you, tribulation is essential for the bride to be the bride Jesus desires. Can I say it again? Tribulation is essential for the bride to be the bride Jesus desires. He's not coming back for an unfireproofed bride. He's not coming back for an unfire tested bride. He's not coming back for, for some weak steel that's not been forged and fired properly that can break at a whim or the slightest uh, chink in its armor can just give out. No, he is looking for a bride. is worthy of him and we will be worthy of him when we are made like him and what makes you like him fire fire well pastor matt does god just want people to suffer no 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 he does not desire that suffering would happen to his bride but if suffering does bring about a greater fire and a greater glory and a greater end Well, then the God who is good in perpetuity and perfection, there must be good in our suffering. But what you got to (laughs) know, yeah, is as the seals are broken and the trumpets are sounded, as all these things begin to take place, God's hand of protection is on his bride the entire time. God's hand of protection is on his bride the entire time. You see, this is when the Antichrist comes. This is when the Antichrist comes, and all of a sudden, when the seals are being broken, it gives way for the Antichrist to come, and he will come, and this is how the Bible describes him, which is so, 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 so interesting, he will come on a white horse as if portraying to be the Savior. He will have a crown on his head that men will give him for authority, and he will have a bow in his right hand, as if to elit. Elicit some sort of aggressive front, to speak to some sort of strength that he's trying to portray but doesn't actually possess. And the reason I say he doesn't actually possess is because his bow has no arrows. It says he comes on a white horse with a crown that men will give him, portraying himself a savior like Jesus. He will even build a temple in Israel, he will even build a temple. With no military front or aggression in the beginning, no arrows, present himself mighty, a voice of unity, of pro-Israel-ness like God is, and then after about three years, he will proclaim himself in the middle of that temple God. Yeah, we're getting into the book of Revelation today, y'all. And the reason this is important for you and I know, you might go, Matt, this seems like a lot of useless information, like, Pastor, I don't understand like, I don't understand how that applies to me. Like, apply it to me. I'll apply it to you. Can you imagine what will be on the church in that day? Because on the back side of the Antichrist coming, scripture records that church is in full blown revival. Let's go. Come on. I mean, stadium Christianity is the normal. Let's go. I mean, Memorial Day weekend of vacations, burn in the glory. <laughs> I can't wait. Very excited. That was a wink at the camera, not you, Rachel. You're, you're a saint. I can't wait. But revival will be on the church. The Spirit of God will be so alive and active on his bride, moving on her, that yes, we may go through trials and we may go through tribulation and things may be difficult in the earth. In fact, as every seal is broken, things continually get worse in the earth. I'm talking mass death. When the fourth seal is broken, no joke, one-fourth of the world will be killed. But his church will be protected. Do you hear me? One-fourth of the world will be taken out, but his church will be protected. And it's crazy because it says by sword, by death, by bear, and by the Antichrist. Or a beast. Well, I go with bear. Uh, But beast. That's how it's going to be killed. One-fourth of the world is going to be taken out. But the church will remain. She will be in full-blown revival. She will be the most radiant thing in this earth. We will look upon her and we will behold the church in all of her glory because she looks like our Christ. She won't be convinced of this antichrist. She will be actively working against him. She will be ministering to the Lord and making a real, true, faithful resting place for him. You can build a tabernacle again in Israel all you like. We have established the tabernacle in our hearts Lord and He burns upon us. She will not be convinced. She will not be swayed. She will not be persuaded any other way. Come on. This is who the bride is. This is who you and I are. And this doesn't come without tribulation, without trial, without fire. Preparation for tribulation, baby. Preparation for tribulation. Because I want to be that bride that the Lord's protection is on. In fact, I think it's either seal three or seal five that's broken. A great famine comes across the land and all of a sudden, this is amazing, all of a sudden we see just like in the days of Moses and just like the days of Elijah, and this is essential for where we're going in chapter 10 and 11, listen to me. We see in great famine among the earth, God is supernaturally pouring out mamma from heaven again. He is supernaturally pouring out manna from heaven again, supernaturally providing for his people, which is another reason what we have will be coveted by the world, yet the world will not be able to achieve what we have because they have the mark of the beast. They have taken the mark of the beast. They have been given over to the mark of the beast, and they are so deluded by the Antichrist, so persuaded that he is the right way, that they can't even open the heart, open the door of their heart to even begin to contemplate that Jesus Christ is real. Right. That Jesus Christ is Savior. That Jesus Christ is Lord. But they will still want and try and to covet what we have. But he supernaturally pours out manna just like in the days of Elijah and in Moses. It's amazing. It's incredible. Can you imagine the bride will be when we have that direct <laughs> that direct ear to God, when we're so close with him. And I got to tell you, man, this morning got me shook because this, this was such an incredible moment in the, with the Lord this morning. And I want to tell you this. I was encouraging the men about this at our last Sons of Thunder. Friends, I, I, I don't ever want you to sit there in your chair, stand there with your arms crossed, and all of a sudden, and I'm not talking about how you worship. That's not what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, you look over and you see someone that the Lord is clearly moving upon. The reason I bring this up is because I want you to begin to not judge them inwardly, but judge yourself inwardly and begin to ask, what is the Lord doing in them that I'm not in on? How is he moving in them and why is he not moving in me? Why is he moving upon them but not moving in me? We need to start asking these questions. And sometimes, yes, it might be unique. It might be something that they are being delivered from or healed in or he is just moving in a mighty way because he loves his daughter and he loves his son. And it's amazing. But however that same movement from the lord that same acting upon that same closeness this same drawing into you is available to every single one of us so we don't sit there in judgments we sit there and go how can i get in on that how do i attract the lord how do i get him to move in my life Friends, the book of Revelation should really, truly give us a framework for how we are to live as Christians, because we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait for tribulation to happen, for the seals to be broken, for all of these signs to begin to pass. We don't want to wait for that moment to then dig into the book of Revelation and go, what did he mean by what's happening right now? No, we want to be a prepared people. We want to be a ready bride. We want to be the bride who is sounding the trumpets ourselves, going, prepare the way of the Lord. This is the forerunner fire. We go forth first. We go forth first. Say it with me. We go forth first. Yes, that's who we are. Why else would we be alive today? Why else would we be followers of Jesus today? Why else would we be here on the earth in this hour if we were not called to be forerunners for him? We have got to prepare the way because I am telling you what happens next is when these trumpets begin to go off, what happens next when these seals are being broken is martyrdom. Martyrdom is back in the earth again. And don't get me wrong. Listen, listen, listen. Martyrdom... Is absolutely taking place today. We got brothers and sisters in China, places in Russia, and all sorts of spots in the earth today who are being killed for the persecution of Jesus Christ. Hear me today. You and I, Memorial Day Sunday, we've got it easy here. Oh, I lost my job because I wouldn't put up a rainbow flag. Better than your life. Better than your life. Better than your life. But martyrdom will be full-blown in the earth again in the end of days. And here's the thing. Well, I thought his hand of protection would be on the saints. It is because his hand of protection is in the earth unto death and then after the earth into life. Hear me today because what ends up happening is when this trumpet goes off, all of a sudden we see we see the altar in heaven before the throne. Well, Matt, you're giving us a lot of recap before we even get to the scripture. We'll let the Lord figure it out, okay? We'll get there. We'll get there. Before the throne, we see this altar, and John sees this altar, and this altar opens up, and underneath the altar are worshiping, praying martyrs, saints who have already been killed for the glory of Jesus, people who have already given their life to the uttermost end, and now they have a spot before the throne under the altar. I want to live upon the altar. Martyrs live in the altar, Listen to me, friends. This is huge for you and I. This should give us great, great, great conviction to move in a greater way for Jesus in our workplace, in our family, and in a public sphere, not just here in church. We must begin again to move for Jesus outside the four walls of our church. Today is where we gather. Tomorrow is where we go out. And I appreciate anybody this morning. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. The harvest isn't in here. It's out there. We go and we pick, we go and we save, we go and we rescue, we go and we preach, we go and we heal, we go and we deliver. Amen. We go and we cast out and we bring back. You see the one of the greatest things about these bowls and trumpets and sirens and sounds and all of these things going off in the seals is it calls to the church. It calls to the church. it tells us to repent and it tells us to gather repent and gather repent and gather and the amazing thing about these martyrs says they're singing unto the lord they're worshiping unto the lord they're praying unto the lord one of the great things that you and i need to understand about the book of revelation about the days that you and i live in i am telling you there's a reason i am hitting this like a battering ram to you for the last number of weeks prayer still moves god prayer still moves god Here's one for you. Prayer lives matter. (gasps) Pastor Matt, I don't like that. (laughs) Tough kitty. Prayer lives matter. Prayer lives matter. You see, friends, what you and I seem to miss out on is that the martyrs below the altar are praying and worshiping in perpetuity for the Lord, and yet they have already paid the highest price for him. So what is it about him that would draw you unto death and then still cause you to worship and pray in the afterlife? What is it about him? Because we're not forced into this. We're not forced into this. We don't lose our free will suddenly when we get to heaven and all of a sudden we're no longer just like able to go get a coffee with John, you know? What is it about Jesus on the throne in the heavens that even when we have free will perfected bodies able to go and do and whatever freely without the worry of falling back into sin without sickness coming upon us without needing to shed a tear again without pain moving in our lives again what is it about Jesus that would cause us to still want to lay at his feet because in the earth it's our pain it's our tears it's our hurt It's our sin, it's our remorse, it's our repentance that so often draws us to the feet of Jesus. But in heaven, it will be his beauty. It'll be his majesty. It'll be his greatness. It'll be his strength. It'll be his fire. It'll be his power. It'll be his might that draws us unto him. And we just want to look at him longer, sing to him louder, pray to him for days days and days and days and days and unto eternity again. I don't know why we would ever wait to heaven To live like that for Jesus? Why would I wait to die to experience the best God has? Why would I wait to shed my mortal coil to experience God in the realest, most tangible way when especially Jesus has already paid the price so we can have that now? Why would I wait to die to live a sinless life? Why would I not live unto a greater glory now? Why would I not pray prayers that move God's heart now? I appreciate anybody this morning, this is the forerunner fire I'm talking about. People that will live to prepare the way for the Lord are not waiting until they get to heaven. But they are diligent with their hands of the plow now, preparing the way for the Lord. You see, when these seals are popping and the martyrs are praying and the trumpets are sounding and the trumpets are awesome but truly what you've got to know is the trumpet is a sound in the earth. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See if if we were just a pre-tribulation kind of people where we didn't believe the Bible and we thought God would just take us up out of all the pain and all the troubles who would be in the earth to prepare the way for the Lord and who would call men and women to repentance still? Who would be here See friends, we get caught up in Instagram Christianity and cool churches and cool church gear and all the stuff and I love the things and we have a cool warehouse and I love this place and I love what we do here and I love I love the things and posting on Instagram and I love the way it looks and I love aesthetics. I love all of it. It's great, cool, yay. (laughs) But we're not here for aesthetics. We're not here for church swag and cool videos. I'm not here to be some leadership guru that is going to teach you how to build a great business. I want to teach you to die. I want to teach you to die. And I want to die. Whoever wants to live must die. Whoever wants to find his life must die pick up your cross and carry me chief concern isn't whether you and i thrive in the marketplace that's a part of it it's great it's a byproduct it's the diesel (laughs) but the gasoline that you and i will burn upon that will burn within us and burn on us is denying our lives losing it so we can find it in christ and picking up our cross and carrying it forward amen I am telling you, friends, there is a greater glory that you and I are called to live unto that goes beyond the end of our nose, that goes beyond the dreams and trivial things that you and I have. Because I'm telling you, when God begins to get intimately involved in your pains and your dreams and everything in between, he begins to move. You see, what happens is all of a sudden, Revelation 10 hits. And there's a mighty angel. Again, we see this mighty angel. And I love that John continues to describe it because I think it it gives us a good framework for what angels look like and mighty angels and the kind of the hierarchy of of the of the heavens, if you will. There is a hierarchy, and there is different levels of angels and all sorts of good stuff. And read the book, you'll love it. It's fantastic. There's hierarchy, and there's different places and people and all the good stuff. All the things our world hates, heaven has it. It's awesome. Down with the hierarchy, down with the patriarchy. Heaven has it all. You won't love it. But it tells us also about hell at the same time, it tells us about the angels that fell with Satan. It tells us about the demons and the Nephilims and the children of Nephilims and men and women and the abominations in the earth. It tells us about powers of darkness and principalities in high places that move and are pulling strings behind the scenes. And we wonder how in the actual hell did the world get to where it is? Well, it's because hell has been unleashed. But what we got to know is that this mighty angel that he says doesn't matter how mighty the angel or how mighty the demon. John describes it saying it had a loud voice like a lion, but it's not a lion. We have one lion of the tribe of Judah. His name is Jesus. He roars like a lion. Peter says it too. The one comes to devour like a roaring lion. He is not he might have teeth that appear sharp and he might sound loud and so sure of himself, but I am telling you, the second the glory of Jesus passes by him, what we see in First Thessalonians as Jesus literally goes, and the Antichrist blows away. And we'll see that again in Revelation in a number of weeks ahead of us, but hear me today. You've got to understand the fight that you were in the reality of the spiritual realm around you, you got to understand that when we are coming against movements like the LGBTQ movement, when we're preaching against heresy in the earth and sexual perversion and immorality, when we're doing these things, friends, you're gonna be, you're, so many people are like, Pastor Matt, that's so harsh. Well, that's because you think I'm talking to people, but I am speaking to demons. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? And no, I'm not calling the people demons i'm calling the things that are acting on them and in them and pulling the strings around them demonic that those are a broken fractured mago day that have been duped who have been broken who have been had their strings pulled and their rug pulled over their eyes and they are living a lie by the accuser and the author of confusion And so when we move against the movement i'm moving against the principalities and demonic don't ever get it twisted Jesus died for them and he loves them and he wants them and he wants them rightly and he wants them perfectly and he wants them resurrected with him. Amen? But this is a part of what the church is to do in this hour so we can't shrink back. We don't get to shrink back. We're either gonna be his bride or we're not. And then if you read the rest of Revelation, you know where or not ends. And so here is this mighty angel who's like a roaring lion. And he can hold the little scroll, but he's not worthy to open the big scroll. Just like in Revelation 5. He's not worthy. He can't do this. That's not what he's capable of. He is not above. He is not perfect. He is not mighty in the way that Jesus is mighty. And so as mighty as he may be, he is not Jesus. As mighty as the devil may be, he is not Jesus. But what we begin to see here is John is praying and he's getting ready to write this down he's having this vision and the Lord goes don't write this down seal up the thunderings seal it up take it all in get this on the inside of you John I need you to receive this today there are some things friends that God just wants to tell you that he just wants to reveal to you and that you just need to seal up in your bones why do we not live with the fire we're called to live because some of us have been too busy talking you've been too busy writing You've been too busy being busy for God. And he's like, sit down, shut up, and let me tell you about myself. i on. preaching to anybody this morning. Because what happens next is John, he gets the proverbial slap of the wrist from Jesus. Don't write this down. Shut it up in your bones. And then he hears the same voice, he says, and he says, take the scroll. Take the scroll. <laughs> And so John has to go up to this mighty angel, and he does. Good on John. He's like, dude, I've been chilling with my head up against the chest of Jesus while he was here. This mighty angel doesn't intimidate me. He goes up to this mighty angel, and he says, and friends, let me tell you this. What John says next is the same authority that you and I move in when it comes against the demonic. The same authority he speaks to this angel in is the same authority you and I as spirit-filled believers, spirit-sealed believers (laughs) that we move in against the demonic. John goes to this angel and goes, give me the little book. Give me the little scroll. Give it to me. Give it. He doesn't request. He doesn't ask. He doesn't simply just say, hey, if you wouldn't mind when you're finished with that, can I read it? (laughs) Hey, can I bum your homework for a second? Hey, can can I get that for you when the teacher's not looking? No, he says, give it give it. He demands. He does not ask. He doesn't play nice. He opens up his hand, and he says to that angel, because of what God told him to do, there's an authority to this. You've got to understand this. Angels don't just move on our whim, but when God directs us to direct angels, then they move. Are you hearing me this morning? Yeah. There is a hierarchy in heaven. You've got to get this. Pastor Matt, I came for the good news. This is. This is called mature Christianity, and when you find yourself in immature moments, you'll be mature enough to get yourself out of them. Amen? Yeah. Appreciate anybody this morning? Yeah come on try to teach you to fish for yourselves get your own oil let's get it tell those angels what the Lord tells you to tell them and until then you respect them amen so here we go we're like man we didn't plan on being this church five years ago no we didn't I was trying to be Carl Lentz uh or something stupid yeah anyways um (laughs) busy isn't working guys uh anyways so should have done that anyways should have done that not cool Heavy topic. My bad. Fix me, Lord. How do I move on? Uh. So what we see next is he tells this angel, give it to me. Give me the little book. And the second he gets it, it's not enough to have the book. It's not enough to have the book. Because I have the book. I have the scroll. I have it. It's not enough to possess it. God speaks to him, the same voice that told him to demand that from the angel and take it from him, says, eat the scroll. He says, eat the scroll and then prophesy again to the nations, to the kings, to the lands and to the air. He says this, are you hearing me this morning? Friends, I am telling you today, how do we best prepare the way for the Lord? We move in the ways of the Lord. Well, how do we move in the ways of the world, in the ways of the Lord? We eat the whole of the scroll. You've got to eat the whole of the scroll. Pastor Matt, book of Revelation doesn't make any sense to me. There's things about the Bible that don't make sense to me. Friends, I am telling you, some of you today, you just need to resign yourself to the fact that if you eat it, he will reveal it. If you eat it, he will reveal it. If you eat it, he will reveal it. Gone are the days of sitting around and just going, what do you think he meant by this? What do you think he meant by that? No, go to your prayer class and say, Lord, if I eat it, will you reveal it? And I tell you, he will say yes. I tell you, he will say yes. You have got to eat the whole of the scroll. And I love this because he says, if you eat the whole of the scroll, at first it'll be honey on your lips, but it'll be bitter in your tummy. Honey on your lips, but bitter in your stomach. And that's an exact reference to Ezekiel, by the way, just in case you were wondering. Ezekiel one and two. Direct reference to Ezekiel one and two. But he says, "Take of the scroll, eat it, and it will be honey on your lips, it'll be bitter in your stomach. Here's the deal. Friends, why do you think we don't see miracles the way we did in the book of Acts? Because we've got prosperity preachers today who only preach honey. Don't preach judgment. Are you hearing me this morning? They only preach honey. They don't preach judgment, so therefore they can't be trusted with forerunner fire. And then we've got doom and gloom guys. We all know the doom and gloom guys. They're attacking people on Twitter. We got doom and gloom guys who only preach judgment but have no honey, have no victory. All they are is bitter, and they also too cannot be trusted with forerunner fire. So how do we get trusted with forerunner fire? How do you get trusted with forerunner fire? This isn't just for the pastor. This isn't just for the preacher. This isn't for the church leader. This is for you and me as laymen and laywomen, Christians, disciples of Jesus. Amen? This is for us. How do we get trusted with forerunner fire? We eat the whole scroll and we prophesy the whole scroll. We eat the whole of the scroll and we prophesy the scroll. This is my Bible. I believe it. I believe everything it says. I believe everything it says about Jesus. I believe everything it says about me. I believe everything it says about the Holy Spirit. I believe it has everything in it for godliness and life. This is my Bible. The B-I-B-L-E is the book for me. However, Owana, you need to get with it for your Baptist heart this morning. Get with it because you need to eat the whole scroll. Talk about Owana! I want to eat the whole scroll. I want to eat the whole scroll i can't get away from it now but you got to eat the whole of the scroll but then here you go it's not enough to eat of the whole scroll then you have to prophesy it then you have to prophesy you see the otis falls on us as the bride again you we, we fail to understand we actually have a role to play in this. Do you understand that if right here, if John does not just eat the whole scroll, but he eats the parts that he likes, leaves the bones that he doesn't like, if he doesn't digest the bitterness, but only eats the honey, if he leaves that away, do you not understand this does not prepare the way for Jesus to come back? Do you, are you missing this? He has got to eat the whole, both the honey and the bitterness, the truth and the judgment, the victory and the judgment. He's got to eat both. He's got to consume both. And then he has to prophesy and preach both. Yes. It's all of it or it's none of it. Because the angel is saying, hey, come, let us not delay. Let us not delay any longer. Delay what? The return of the king. He longs to delay, but he, or he longs to arrive, but there will be a great delay. And friends, I kind of already believe that that's been a part of what our issue has been. We're t- we, we love singing, come Lord Jesus, come, but we don't eat the whole scroll like, come Lord Jesus, come. We don't prophesy to the uttermost like, come Lord Jesus, come. We love the honey. We hate the bitter, but he is good in all of it. Amen. He is good in victory and he is good in defeat. He is good in honey and he is good in bitter. He is good in victory and he is good in judgment. And friends, one of the other things that is so abundantly clear in the seals being broken is that when God's judgment is coming, and believe me, God's judgment is coming. Take a deep breath. For the Antichrist, the world, and those outside of his bride. What does that mean? That means his judgment is not going to be upon his bride. He knows whose is his. And he will call you up. He will bring you forward. And what's amazing about those martyrs, if we can just go back to them real quick, is that John sees an image of it because the same elder goes, who are those people? And John goes, I have no idea. But they have wash their robes white in the blood of Christ. So whether you meet Jesus in the sky when he brings us up and he returns, or you meet Jesus as a martyr, his hand of protection has been upon you physically and spiritually this entire time. Take of the scroll and eat it. See friends, part of the reason that we can't even begin to fathom how to live in the end of times is because we're not eating the whole scroll, whole scroll today. We're not prophesying the whole scroll today. You see, prayer, 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 prophecy, these are all literally the same things. It just depends on the direction of which you're saying it. See, prophecy, we get confused about this because it seems uh, vague and we're unsure of it. But no, to prophesy literally means to take what God has spoken to you in prayer and speak it to who He's told you to speak it to. That means He has a whole of the scroll that He is going to lace your prayer life with, and you are going to speak it to kings, and you are going to speak it to nations. You are going to speak it to the created order in this earth. You are going to speak it to your friends who are stuck in sin. You're going to speak it to your boss who keeps committing adultery. You are going to speak it to your own soul in the morning. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You have got to begin to eat the whole scroll, friends. You want to be a mature Christian? You want to have a deep, robust faith? You want to be able to have coffee and a beatnik beanie on and just wax poetic about the things of God? That sounds terrible, doesn't it? You want to do that? You got to eat the whole scroll. Because you will fool yourself into thinking you have But when the time comes for you to prophesy the whole scroll, your lips will remain shut. I am telling you, he is honey on our lips and he is bitterness in our stomach. And both are required if we are going to be a burning bride, a forerunner fire for his return. And here's the deal. I'm going to land this bird in just a minute because I'm going to sum up all of Revelation 11. All of a sudden there's these two See, John does it, he eats it, he's honey on his lips with bitterness in his stomach and it's amazing. And then all of a sudden, two men appear before him. Two men. It says like two olive trees or two lampstands, two men appear to him. Zechariah 4. See, so much, so much of the book of Revelation is actually a reference to what was a type and shadow of the things to come. You see, when we are looking at uh, the trumpets, and we're looking at the seals, and we see the plagues, specifically in seals one through four, we see the plagues that come onto the earth, or in trumpets sounds one through four, either way, uh, when we see that in Revelations five, uh, six, and seven, and eight, and nine, when we see that, it's literally the same thing that happened with Moses and Pharaoh in Egypt. Friends, what can we take from that? Jesus is a better Moses than Moses. The Antichrist is a greater Pharaoh than Pharaoh. But God is still faithful to deliver his people. Amen. And what you've got to understand about this today is when Moses prayed, plagues came. When Moses prayed, plagues stopped. There is something in the prayers of a burning forerunner people that moves God to action. You see, we often find ourselves staring at the sky, screaming out, God, where are you? And he's going, I am waiting in the bullpen for you to open the east gate with your prayers and actually invite me into the things that are wrong in your world. Invite me to the pain in your heart. Invite me to the pain in your city. Invite me into your relationship and invite me into your relationship with your enemies. Invite me in. God is waiting for a beck and a call, friends. He loves you, but he will not override you and overrule you. He wants to partner with you. He is like, I can do it all. I can fix it all. I can resurrect it all. I can make sense of it all. I can redeem it all. But you have a part to play. Eat the whole scroll and prophesy the whole of the scroll. And so all of a sudden you see Moses and Elijah. And that's what most biblical scholars would believe that these two men are that appear and What ends up happening is this, and this is why prophecy is so important for you and me today, because these men have eaten the whole of the scroll, and they've given their lives for the whole of the scroll, and then they stood and they prophesied in allegiance to the holder of the scroll, God himself, amen, and they both gave their lives for that purpose, and so suddenly they reappear as the two olive trees and the lampstands, and this happens, and it's amazing, and it says, if anyone should move against them, the words that come out of their mouth are like molten lava, Molten fire, able to destroy every single person that would raise against them. Friends, it says that their words will have authority to what? Strike the earth, create earthquakes, shut up the heavens and the skies so that rain cannot come. Friends, how much more, somebody say how much more? How much more does a spirit-filled and spirit-sealed believer have available to them than even Moses and Elijah? What you've got to understand about the Old Testament is that God, his spirit came and rested upon a few men and a few women at a given time for a given time. Today, friends, the Holy Spirit has been gifted by the Father to every son, to every daughter, his bride. How much more authority do you have? How much more authority do you have? And I believe God is just waiting for you to take your authority, take your prayer, partner with him, align your words with him, align your heart and your lives with him, and begin to eat the whole scroll and prophesy the whole scroll. And what ends up happening for Elijah and Moses, they are awesome and they are prophesying and they are leading the church at this time. It's amazing. People who didn't even walk with God or walk with Jesus, but walk closely with God are now brought back and are living before us. And in fact, Zechariah 4, You know Zechariah 4, another prophetic book of the Bible in the Old Testament, do you know what he refers to Elijah and Moses in this moment as? The sons of oil. The sons of oil. Man, I I kind of regret calling the men's ministry Sons of Thunder now. I want to be the sons of oil. Friends, I am telling you, do I have anybody in here today that would proclaim, I want to be a son or a daughter of oil? I want to carry. I want to be a lamp that's burning. I want the anointing of God on my life. The sweetest little thing, this little girl in the back just raised her hand. That's amazing. Yes, daughter of oil. Come on. Shame the devil. Let's go. But he calls them the sons of oil. And then the Antichrist is allowed to have his way and it says that the Antichrist actually ends up overthrowing and killing them. But, somebody say but. But, after three days, somebody say three days. They are resurrected again. Friends, can I tell you, as much as you need to eat the scroll and as much as you need to prophesy, you need to give the intimate details of your life back over to God. Hear me, there were men and women in this time of the church who delayed. They delayed burial. They delayed to uh, affirm an agreement with their death. They, they said, no, we're going to leave them there. God's going to move. He's going to make this make sense. And we are not going to allow our confession to make an agreement with anything else. And yet most Christians today We can't even keep our confession on the Lord and his word for our lives for three minutes, let alone three days. When death comes to our door, we have a hard time not partnering with a spirit of death, spirit of confusion, and a spirit of decay. After three minutes, let alone for three days, while they lay dead in the street being trampled. Somebody say, get your faith up. Somebody say, get a deeper revelation. revelation. We got to get a deeper revelation. Listen, he is able to save unto the uttermost Three days of resurrection. Does God need three days? Absolutely not. He can do it in a minute. Did he need four for Lazarus? Absolutely not. He can do it in a millisecond. God is growing, stretching, bringing out a mature bride, drawing out your impurities of, of lack of faith, of doubt, all these things. People are always like, it's okay to doubt. It's just not okay to stay there. Friends, no, I'm telling you, gone are the days where it's okay to doubt. Pastor Matt, that's the most controversial thing you said. I know. So what do I do with my doubt? You lay it at his feet. The problem is when we say the phrase, it's okay to doubt, speaks to your soul and says, it's okay that doubt lives here. It's not. We need to take that doubt and we need to partner that with God's victory and we lay it at the feet of Jesus and we say, please resurrect this life. And then... Worship team, you can make your way up here. And then, after three days, they are raised back up. And these sons of oil, how long to be counted as a son of oil? I don't want to just be, I don't want to just be the the pastor with tight pants in Grand Rapids. I don't want to just be the pastor of the trendy church. I don't want to just be, thanks, Kayla. I don't want to just be, I don't want to just be another clanging symbol in our city of religion banging, clanging. I want to be a son of oil. And I don't think you want to just be another non-factor Christian in the city who has a life that identifies as a Christian, but God has never burned upon you. I don't think you want that either. So we need to begin to marry, marry our innermost message with the message of Christ. Because what happens for John here is he sees this resurrection. God opens the heavens and he says to Elijah and Moses, come up here, come up here. They prophesy again, they speak again, they encourage the church again, and then they step into a greater glory. And then John, John is there and he sees the elders 24 elders around the throne they stand too and suddenly another song is birthed in heaven and the first thing they cry out the first plea they make the first declaration they speak is not holy 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 is not is who was and is to come and will forever be it's none of those the first thing they say by prophecy is the kingdoms of our world have become the kingdoms of our God? The kingdoms of our world have become the kingdoms of our God. Friends, I am telling you, this is an open invitation to you and me, the church today, to be partnering our prayers with God and coming into agreement with His desire for the earth. What if instead of we just complaining about the pride flags and all the stuff, we're coming June, friends, we can't hide from this, it's gonna be everywhere. You don't get to shrink back. It's coming to Target. It's coming to Meyer. It's coming to your front door. We drove around for like an hour yesterday finding a cafe in Grand Rapids for a good cup of coffee that didn't have a rainbow flag. Kid you not. Because we will not give our money to evil. And if you don't come back next week, I don't care. Because I gave you the word of God today. But in saying that, What I want to encourage you with, is we don't just protest to protest. We don't just boycott to boycott. We don't simply not give our money just not to give them our money. What we do instead of simply resisting the enemy is we partner with God and we begin to declare, no, the kingdoms of our world will become the kingdom of our God. And then we take it up a level and we speak prophetically the whole scroll and we say, even though it doesn't look like it, even though the White House is doing this, even though the governments are doing this, even though who is CDC and all the world economic funds, all the crap. All those in high lofty offices who think they actually run things but are simply bugs to our God. Instead, we partner our prayer, we partner our pain, we partner our grievance and our burden for the world, and we say, no, not simply the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God, but we declare in the face of all of hell The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God. Amen. Would you stand? Would you stand? So we're going to sing, and we're going to sing hallelujah. Why? Because I love this song. Second of all, the Lord loves this song. Third of all, it's in like three chapters of Revelation. You'll see it when we get there. This song is being proclaimed in all of heaven. This song is being proclaimed right now to the very face of Jesus by 24 elders and four creatures around his throne. This song right now is being lifted up in perpetuity and in perfection forever and ever and ever. And I am telling you this, friends. Today is the day where you partner your prayer with God as you begin to proclaim the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdom of our God you prophesy the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God and I want to invite you up front I want to invite you up front this altar is open one let me just say this publicly just because I stand here during worship doesn't mean you can't come up and say pastor get out my way I need space with the Lord do it this carpet isn't for a few. This carpet is for all the sons and all the daughters who would rather be found at the altar. So all service long, I don't even care if I'm preaching, you come, you lay down. If that's what the Lord is saying to do, you do it. Second of all, in this moment, as we begin to sing this song, if you would honestly take an evaluation of your life and say, you know what? And I don't even need you to confess it to me. I don't even need you to confess it to your marriage or your uh, friend that you're here with or whoever. I don't even need you to do that. What I need you to do is take a look at your innermost place. The innermost part of you. And take an honest evaluation. Have I eaten the scroll to my innermost? Have I eaten the whole of the scroll to my innermost? Have I resigned myself to maybe even if I don't understand it, I will eat it. Even if I don't get it, I will eat it. Even if I don't know why He's leading me this way, I will eat it. If you haven't done that, I want to encourage you today. There is power at the altar. I'm not going to come and pray over you. I am going to ask you to go and buy your own oil this morning. Go before the Lord. You come up here and you say, Lord, I want to eat the whole of the scroll and I want to prophesy to every nation, king, and tyrant in the land. I want to prophesy to every single person I love, every single enemy I have. I want to prophesy to the dark that light must come. Amen. I am telling you, friends, and then I'm done. The same fire that Stephen was martyred with in the book of Acts, where he was being martyred before men and he preached the gospel. It says that Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus stand up from his throne to get a better look. The same forerunner fire that Stephen was martyred with is the same forerunner fire that the bride of Christ is called to live with, exist with, eat the whole of the scroll and prophesy into, but this time, jesus won't just stand up from his throne to get a better look jesus will leave his throne and return for his bride this is jesus this is our jesus and he's inviting you right now. I'm going to pray. Come up here. If you want to eat the whole of the scroll, you want to learn to prophesy, you want to learn to speak in heavenly languages, you want to learn to get words of knowledge, right now, I believe all this is available. I believe the Lord came so close this morning through this incredible worship team, laying down their lives, gifts, time, talents, and treasures, and right now, his hand is low, and he is saying, the scroll is here. Take and eat. The scroll is here. Take and eat. The scroll is here. Take and eat. And just come. Come before the Lord. The rest of us, we're going to join in with a song hallelujah of heaven and we are going to sing unto the king amen so father right now I ask you I ask you I ask you I ask you Lord give us a deep love give us a deep love and burden for the scroll God let there be nothing in it that's kept from us God let there be no desire found in us Lord to not have the whole of the scroll Lord we long for your honey and we long for your bitterness we long for your victory and we long for the judgment Lord we long for you Lord and all that you are Lord today Lord today we abdicate our feelings. We we abandon our discomfort. We leave behind Lord the things that scare us, Lord. The things that we don't understand. We lean not on our own understanding, Lord, but we take the scroll from the hand of the angel and we say yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. And then we take and we eat. And when we leave this day, Lord, I pray right now that tongues of fire would begin to be prophesied. As the worship team begins to sing, right now tongues of fire are being imparted. Right now words of knowledge are being imparted. Right now words of healing are being imparted. Right now the Lord is speaking to you. There's a person, there's a place that you need to go to, maybe even today, yet maybe even tomorrow, where you're gonna be inconvenienced by your Memorial Day plans, but God is saying, no, I need you at this speedway. No, I need you at the subway. No, I need you at your workplace. No, I need you to call your boss. No, I need you to call your sister haven't talked to in years no I need you to go to your daughter when you get home and begin to speak the truths of God over her right now right now right now right now the Lord is speaking in this house and he is saying if you will eat the whole scroll and prophesy I will make much of your life some of us we have lived powerless but it's because we have not eaten the whole of the scroll and we have not prophesied the power within it so right now Lord Right now, Lord, I ask, as we sing hallelujah, as we join in with the song of heaven, Lord, would our response be the same? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, begin to move in this room. Have your mighty way. Give us words of knowledge. Give us prophecy. Lord, speak to our innermost places and set them right again. Move us to the axis of the whole of your your scroll, Lord, and that we would never move from it, but we would lead ourselves deeper into it we love you god holy spirit have your way in jesus name let us sing let us sing let us sing come